Bibles with me to 1 Kings chapter number 17. We are going to read from verse 8 through to 16. But before we read, I want to give you a little background to the story. Now, Prophet Elijah has said to Kinehab from verse 1 that there will be no rain in the earth except by his word. And he said, good day, King, and left. And the Lord told him that go to a certain place, a certain brook of Cherith that I have reserved for you by the east of Jordan. Go there and stay there. I have commanded the ravens to feed you night and day. They are going to bring you food. You're going to get your breakfast and you're going to get your dinner. So just chill out, be there until I give you another command. How many know that when God gives you a command, the command is for a period of time. And the command changes. God is not an atlas. God is a satnav. I don't know, those of you who are born uh, after computer, you will know what an atlas is. But before uh, satnav came and Tom Tom and all those things came, we used to have something called A to Z. Now, A to Z gives you the map of, of the UK. So, it tells you that when you pass here and you use this road, it takes you here. When you use that road, it takes you there and it's static. It doesn't tell you that there's a road works and the road has been closed. It doesn't tell you that uh, there's a diversion or there's a shorter route. It doesn't tell you any of those things. It just gives you that if you pass left, pass right, pass you will get to some place. I used to have a, a co-pilot who sometimes reading the A to Z would turn it upside down and say, pass right. And I also pass right. Before we realized that the book was upside down, by that time we are, instead of being in um, Leeds, we have ended up in Hertfordshire and we are quarreling in the car. That was my co-pilot. She didn't, she said, Turn left, turn right, turn right, turn right, turn right. So I'll turn right. Then he says, turn right. Ah, you said I should turn right. No, no. I mean left. <laughs> and it used to cause a lot of problems. But with the sat nav, it says, turn left. After three kilometers, turn right. Then it will tell you that there's a roadblock somewhere. So... You have to use an alternative route, isn't it? When there's too much traffic, it shows you another route. So anytime we follow God, we must give room for God to speak again. Am I making sense? So I'm just giving you a backdrop to the story. Let's, let's uh, take it from verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise and go to Zarephtah. Remember he said that, from, let's start from verse 1 for me, just quickly, so that people will get to know what I'm, what I'm talking about. God says, and Elijah sees by inhabitant. Okay, verse 2, quickly, quickly. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here, turn eastward, hide it by the brook of Cherith, which flows into Jordan. And you shall drink of it. I've commanded the ravens to feed you. I've talked about that. Now, verse 8. He says, the, the same person who told him, go to the brook of Cherith, now is saying that, arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Which, see, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So the first one was a raven, ravens to feed you. Now he's saying that he has commanded a widow. How many know that the two are not very good candidates to feed? I mean, if you know ravens, ravens eat meat. Ravens are scavengers. And ravens don't spare any dead meat they come to. And for God to say that I have commanded the ravens to give you their meat. And now, in those days, widows were women did not work in the field. They depended on their husbands to provide. 
So when you see a widow in the Old Testament especially, you are talking about the poorest of the poor. Am I making sense? A very poor person. All right, let's go on. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and um, when he ha- came into the gates of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water. Remember, there's, the brook has dried up, which means that water is scarce. He says, bring me a little drink that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called out to her and said, please bring me a muscle of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks, two sticks. So I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat. Can you increase my volume a bit, please? And die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said. But make a a small cake from it first and bring it to me. Afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord, shall, the Lord sends rain in the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. And the bean of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Sacrifice in the season of scarcity. Sacrifice in the season of scarcity. We've been talking about sacrifice and the cross for a while. And today I want to bring it to a close. And I want to start from a place where we've been talking about sacrifice. And for me, it sounds like theory. We've been talking about sacrifice in terms of a theory. But I want us to practicalize it. I want us to bring it into our our own setting, in the setting of today. And uh, look at it from a point of how we also can sacrifice or how God is expecting you and I to sacrifice in this season, in this period of uh, COVID-19, post-COVID-19, people have lost their jobs, people have been made redundant and all that. What is God saying concerning you and I sacrificing? Hallelujah. Am I making sense? And the first thing that you must see is that When God said to Elijah, go to the brook of Cherith by the east of Jordan and dwell there. God was saying, or if you want to bring it in today's terms, it is more like your stream of income has been provided for you. Are you with me? A stream is something that brings life. How many know that your income brings life? When your income dries up, your life is shaky. Am I making sense? So your, your, your income is like the stream that has been opened for you. Hallelujah. But there comes a time when the stream dries up. And you see, you have to be very, very conscious and very alert to know whether the stream is drying up. Or they're still flowing. There are some of us in this room, our stream dried up long ago, but we haven't moved from the brook. Because we operate by A to Z. And we say that God has brought me here. 
I read somewhere in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, that it is the Lord that gives me ability to create wealth. And God has given me this ability uh, to do this job, and I'm doing this job, and he's giving me some, uh, what do you call it, some income. So this is where I'm supposed to be. It, it, it might be true, but just, just assess yourself. Because when the brook dried up, there was some little dirty water around Are you getting it? But it was not good water. Am I making sense to somebody? Assess yourself. Is the water that I'm drinking, is the income that God has given me, is this where God wants me or is God saying something different to me? Some of us have stayed in the same job for many years and God has left that place long ago and we never moved on. God told us to move on long ago and because we were scared and didn't have faith like the prophet, we stayed by the brook of Cherith. Remember, the opposite of faith is fear. Hallelujah. In First in John chapter 5, verse 4, the Bible says, Anyone that is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And you see, faith doesn't make sense at the time. When God tells you to do something, it does not make sense. Go to a city. Now, the famine was as a result of drought. In those days, the people in the city don't have the farms. The farms are outside the city. Um, Are you getting the picture? The, the city is where people stay. The farm is outside. So they go and, and work in, on the farms or do the, uh, rear their uh, livestock and bring them back to the city during the evenings or nights to sleep. Are you getting it? So if, if you are by the brook that's outside the city and that place is dried up, the last place you want to go is inside the city. Because you are better off look scavenging around the farm, around the wilderness, around that side. You have a better chance of finding food there than going to the city where everybody is looking for food and nobody has food. <laughs> are, you, are you getting it? But God, when God tells you to do something, it does not make sense. And sometimes common sense is the thing that fights our step of faith. Common sense fights your step of faith. The thing that God wants you to do, if you think and analyze it, you will not do it. So the Bible says the carnal mind is an enemy to God. Those of us who like to process a lot of times, we want to process and reason and everything. I'm not against, I, I reason a lot. I like, you know, intellectual analysis and everything. But sometimes analysis can paralyze you. Analysis will keep you static. You will not move because you want to, you, when you analyze everything, it does not make sense to follow God. Hallelujah. Because see, God doesn't give harvest. God gives a seed. Analysis is about harvest and not the seed. Analysis doesn't appreciate anyone who has a seed. Because what has a small seed in my hand got to do with the harvest? Faith says that this Master seed that my eyes cannot see. If I plant it with time, it becomes a great tree that the best of the air will come and find shelter in it. That is faith. The reason why most of us refuse to sacrifice when it comes to the things of God, when God tells you to do something, is because you analyze too much. And because of the analysis that we make, we don't obey God. How many, not you, but you know somebody who knows somebody. 
that God told you to do something, but you, you just thought a little bit, and said, mm, get thee behind me, Satan. Give me a wave. Hallelujah. God told you to start a certain business. But that business means you will grow hungry for a period of a couple of years. And when you look at the type of hunger that can easily happen, and you look at your comfort now, you say, no, let me stay by the brook. It's better by the brook than to start my business. Um, nobody's saying anything to me. I don't think I'm preaching to the right church. I think I'm preaching to people who are already converted. They don't need... So, so the, the, the prophet moves according to the word of God, not according to his feeling, not according to his thinking. He moves according to the word of God and he goes to the city. And just as God says, he sees the widow and the widow is gathering sticks. A couple of sticks. And the widow says, I don't have anything. All I have is a little handful of flour. That's only enough for me and my son. And when we finish eating it, that is it. We are ready to die. Hallelujah. How many know that God always sends people to plant in the middle of the famine? I read somewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from 27 downwards that God uses the foolish things of this earth to confound the wise. God will use the base things of this earth to make a nonsense of the wise and nonsense of, of the wisdom of the wise. The, the wisdom, conventional wisdom says that don't think about planting when there is farming. Don't think about investing in the period of the COVID. Inflation now is at double digits. This is not a time to make any investment. This is not a time to buy anything. This is not the time to build anything. Because when you build, you are likely to lose. Because inflation doesn't stay up for a long time. Inflation goes down. Hello? If you don't understand it, don't worry about it. Just follow the message. I went to church. Inflation, I didn't understand what they were saying. Don't forget about it. You don't get it? Forget it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Bible says that in the place of farming, God told Isaac, sow. And Isaac sowed in the place of farming and in the same place, Isaac reaped hundredfold what he sowed. When others were running away, people were relocating from the place. God told Isaac, stay there, don't go anywhere. My question to you is, where has God told you to stay? Has God told you to relocate? Or has God told you to stay? Where are you? For prophet Elijah, God knew where he was at every time. So when he went to the brook, God came to the brook and spoke to him. And he went to where God told him to go. God will never speak to you in a place where he hasn't called you. So sometimes when the, when the voice of God becomes dry and you can't hear anything, maybe you are in the wrong place. Maybe you are in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. That's why you can't hear him. Because if he says to you, to Elijah, go to the east of Jordan, to the brook of Cherith, and there I will stay there till I come and command you. When he's coming to talk to you again, he'll come to where he told you to go. He will not go to the city. Assuming prophet Elijah did not go to where God told him to go and ended up in a different place. What do you think would have happened? He would not have heard the voice. So he goes there. And in the place, 
the, the woman says that what you are asking me to do, it defies reason, reasoning. I have small flour. That is enough to bake bread from just me and my son once. And that's it. And you are telling me to forget about feeding myself and my son. But I should give you first. Out of the small. How many, how many would I, if you were the widow, you, you love the Lord and all, but if you were the widow, this, Josie, it's good to see you. Would you do it? It doesn't make sense. You know, this type of pastors who have come, you know that it's, 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 you know that I have just been made redundant. You say mortgage burning service, and I should come and give. Do you know what you are saying? The prophecy, sometimes we as pastors, we feel guilty when we are asking you to give. Are you getting it? We feel guilty because we know that we know there's a situation. But we also live in the same situation. So sometimes it's very difficult. That's why it's easier for a visiting pastor to come and raise a certain amount of funds. <laughs> because after that, he goes away. <laughs> But me, I live with my people. I know those who haven't been able to pay rent and they are being chased out. Do you understand what I'm saying? And if I come and I say, give a certain amount of money, knowing that this money, when you give, you be homeless. It takes a certain faith to be able to do that. Hallelujah. But you see, the thing with us as pastors that we must also remember is, is that we are not about the word of God. If God wants to bless the widows, he will ask them to provide their food. Let us not play God. Pastors, are you with me? If God says, go and ask the widow, do you think God was, was a crazy person? God doesn't know that a widow hasn't got anything. God doesn't know that a widow's uh, last food is this one. Why, of all the people in the city, why did God choose this widow and not nobody else? The rich people were in the city. Those who had, uh, at least they had their few sheep and, and goats around. He didn't ask you to go to any of them. He said, go to the widow. Because giving is an avenue for God's blessing. It's a channel that opens up for the blessing of the Lord. And none of us should prevent anyone from being blessed. That's why I learned long ago that when God asked me to collect money from people, I shamelessly do it. Because I am a pastor. I have a pastor's heart. I want you to be blessed more than you want to be blessed. Are you getting it? But I know that your, your strength will not give you a certain type of blessing. How many know that? The system is designed in such a way that you will never ever prosper if you depend on the system. That's why, you know, certain, certain uh, what do you call it, certain testimonies are nice, but me, they don't really impress me. Oh, pastor, uh, by the grace of God, I've got a job. It pays 50000 It pays 100000 It pays 150000 Praise the Lord. Five years will come. With the 150,000 or 50,000 and 200,000, you will still be broke. Because the system is designed that way. That whatever you get, the system takes it and leaves you with a little. Because those who have a certain type of income have a certain type of credit availed to them. And with that credit, they can buy certain things that those who don't have those credits can buy. <laughs> Do you understand? And after they have the bigger credits, 
and they, they pay bigger, they buy bigger things. A bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger shoe, a bigger belt. <laughs> they pay more. And at the end of the day, the net balance is the same as the one who had a smaller amount. Because he buys smaller stuff. <laughs> and he ends up in the same place. <laughs> smaller shoes, smaller belt, <laughs> smaller house, smaller car, and he ends up in the same net worth. Are you getting it? The system is designed that way. So really, real wealth comes from what God tells you to do. Amen. Real wealth that the enemy or the system can't have access to comes from obedience to the word of God. Um, I, took, I said something powerful, but you didn't hear it, so you couldn't clap. Hallelujah. Real wealth doesn't come from the, the workplace. It comes from something beyond the workplace. I pray that God gives everyone here wisdom to create real wealth. Hallelujah. Outside the system. So that the system has not got any effect on you. Amen. That's why as a church, we are trying to, we are going to get out of the system of mortgage by the end of July. By the grace of God. Because real wealth starts from that side. That is when you cross zero. Otherwise, everything before was negative. You know number line? You have to go from minus, minus, minus until to get to what? Zero. Before you start rising, one, two, three, four. So don't say you have a car. When you are paying on a high purchase, you don't have a car. You are minus. <laughs> don't say you have a house. When you are paying mortgage, you are minus. As for those who buy uh, shoes on credit and buy suits on credit, as for you, <laughs> we'll talk your, about your issue later. <laughs> it's like your whole life is minus the store cards, the credit cards. <laughs> you alone, you have, uh, what do you call it? Max and Spencer, Debenhams, Superdrag. Super Argos, uh, Caris PC World, everywhere you are going, they are chasing you. You think you are credit worthy, you are broke. Uh, <laughs> I used to work with this guy. He used to sit next to me. When he removes his credit cards, he puts a rubber band on the credit card. They are this thick. I, I kid you not. A credit card like that. So you put a rubber band on it to hold the credit cards. And sometimes he will take credit card to pay the credit card because they are accumulated. And at the point, he had maximized his credit. So he started using his children. No, I'm not telling you a story. All his, his daughters and his one son, they, they, they were in debt and they didn't know it. They hadn't started working, but they were in debt. Yes, somewhere right before GCSE, they were in debt, full, maxed up, uh, 15,000 overdrawn. So you take, you take credit card, to, because when you're in the system, that's what happens. You have to get out of the system. Hallelujah. And the system makes you an enemy when you're out of the system. So if you don't have a credit card and you want to buy anything, they will say you are not credit worthy. What they want when I say is that you are not in debt. So come and be in debt. <laughs> Where I come from, money on the right, goods on the left, we exchange. So when someone says I have a house, they really they have what? A real house. The paper is there. The house is there. The day they die, they give it to their children. It's fine. This part of the world say I have a house. The day you die, they come and take. The real owner comes to take it. Even I stop paying for three months, see whether the real owner will come and take it. 
So living in a system, quite frankly, is not impressive. Amen. Get out of the system. Let us use this challenge that this church, I mean, you be honest with yourself. How much do you give us offering? Close one eye. <laughs> Just between you and I. How, how many times in a year do you pay tithe? How many times do you give special offering? Yet in spite of all that, our pennies, our uh, two pence, our three pence, our one pound, our five pound bill, we've added all and we have paid the building. Almost finished paying this building. Because I read somewhere in the Bible that it is by wisdom that a house is built, not by money. Uh, are you understanding? It takes wisdom. And with understanding, you fill it with good niceness. I'm glad this church have a lot of nice things. Eh? You must have a lot of money. It's not, it's not, I can guarantee you it's not money. It's wisdom. Don't be chasing fashion. <laughs> Don't be chasing fashion. It's summer, so all the clothes are bright. This year, the summer clothes are all peach. So you too foolishly are going to change your wardrobe. Peach, 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 peach. No. You don't have the money. Let them pitch themselves. Listen. Listen. Let me tell you something. When you buy a name clothes, you are buying somebody's idea. Somebody's investment. And that name clothes doesn't make you. It is not your name. If you are, let's say, come, Reverend. He's wearing Amani suit. Amani is a man. But he has sold you his name. It's very expensive. Now, this, this is cotton. Right? It's cotton and wool. Mixed. Material. Amani bought the cotton from the same place. You can get it in the market. And he, he designed this suit on a table somewhere and he put his name on it. And he says, this is Amani. This is 1,500 pounds because my name is on it. I can buy the same cloth. Four ninety nine, <laughs> a yard. Make it myself, and put Chris Ando on it, because my worth is not a money. My worth is my name, and you see, when I am somebody worth something, and I wear even, uh, what do you call it? No, I wear, uh, I don't want to mention any name. I, I wear thrift, let's say I wear thrift, thrift shop something. It is still my name, not what I'm wearing. <laughs> I don't know whether you, you get it. So he can wear a money, and I'm wearing a second hand something. If I have a bigger name than him. His money will not make him any bigger than me. <laughs> I don't know whether you got it. So, you see, your Mercedes Benz doesn't make you any better than the person who has a name. A good name is better than riches. Ah. I'm not saying that word rags. That's not what I'm saying. But know your worth. You know, I'm going to give a cheap plug here. Can you come? A cheap plug. Okay. So, how many like this, this design? 
Okay. Is it a nice design? It's, a, it's an Armani type of design. Okay. The designer of this T-shirt is in this room. The, the person who designed this T-shirt is in this room as we speak. The entrepreneur is in this room. The, the idea, the brainchild of this, this is, is P. Patient faith. F. Faith is my brand. F I N B. Faith is my brand. Okay. The the designer is in this room. That's what I'm wearing. Okay. So, do you know that? Maybe because the designer is not known, this T-shirt is cheap. But as soon as the designer gets to be known, and the designer comes to say that this T-shirt this is worth 1,000 pounds, you buy it. If Amani put his name on the tag, that faith is my brand, Amani, immediately the price shoots up. Meanwhile, it's the same design. Even the quality will not be like this. <laughs> Are you getting? So I'm telling you, rather than, okay, after our advertise, then you have to come and pay the advertising fee. <laughs> so, so I'm saying to you that rather than you going to chase a man, why don't you design your own brand? <laughs> design your own brand so that others will come and buy it. Me, if you design it, I will advertise it. Yeah. Because I'm trying to teach us how to get out of the system. Because I'd rather buy from somebody from this room than go and buy. Oh, I should have worn mine. I also have one. I should have worn mine today. Hallelujah. But let's come back to the widow. My, the interest of our interest, uh, person of interest in this, in this passage is the widow, not the prophet, is the widow. Now, how do you respond to such a command? Go and make me a cake first to eat. Not make yourself and give me some more of the food you are going to be eating with your son. No, go and make a cake for me first from the food. Then after you and your son eat. In the season of hunger, in the season of famine, the word of God does not change. The word of God is still the word of God. And the word of God, the standard is still the same. He will tell you always do. Let's look at that scripture. He says, go and make it for me first. Verse 13. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Somebody say first. And bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. You know, this is why I don't like this time of churches. These pastors that have come, they are very selfish. How do you tell me to make the cake for you first? And you eat and before, before I have to go and make some for myself and my son. What happens if, if, if there's none left? Hallelujah. I think it's only one person who is, who is with me. Isaiah 119 says that if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you disobey, you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Hallelujah. If you are willing and obedient. I, I pray for all of us in this room that we will become willing and obedient. Hallelujah. We will become willing and obedient to the word of God. Amen. The word of God will always call you to sacrifice. 
in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, says that seek ye first the kingdom. I know you have need. I know the strength you have is one. When you use it for the house of God, it's finished. You don't have enough for anything else. But I'm saying to you, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all other things will be given to you. For the things that you are looking for, the Gentiles are looking for the same thing. And your father knows that you have need of them. The food, widow of Zarephath, that you are looking for, the God who sent the prophet knows you have need of it. But he's saying to you that feed the prophet first. Seek first the kingdom of God. I know you have need for clothes, for food and shelter. Everybody is looking for the same thing. But you seek first the kingdom. Hallelujah. See, sometimes the thing that we forget is that God is not interested in you seeking after him second. He's not interested in after you seeking him after you have sought everything else. Now I'm ready. No, no. In your prime, that is when he also needs you. So seek first his kingdom when that small income comes. You don't pay everything and after that you say, okay, what is left? Let me come and put something on the, on the altar. No, no, no. The altar must be first. Hallelujah. I said the altar must be first. The standard of God never changes. It's the same. In those days, he says, seek first. In the days of Jesus, he said, seek first. In our day today, he's saying, seek first. It's never changed. And it will never change. Internet will not change it. Facebook will not change it. Hallelujah. Let's learn to obey the word of God. Learn to, even in difficulty, learn to obey the word of God. Learn to sacrifice when he tells you to sacrifice. He said, give it, you must give. Remember, we talked about Father Abraham. He had only one son. After his, his step or his illegitimate son had been sacked and gone, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, into one of the mountains that I'll show you and go and sacrifice him there. And he goes to go and attempt to sacrifice the boy. If God hadn't spoken, he would have sacrificed him. That is why God kept everything he was going to do. He informed Abraham first. He trusted him. Because you know that this guy, in Genesis chapter 18, he says, shall I hide what I am going to do from my servant Abraham, seeing that he commands his house after me? I will not hide anything that I want to do from him. Do you know that you are one idea away from a million pounds? Just one little idea. One little favor away. And that favor, it will never come when you work for it. How many know that it will be very difficult for you and I to save our income from now to the day you go on pension and have a million pounds saved? I don't care how much you earn. The, the, those guys who play football, they get 500,000 a week, 300,000 a week. Do you know what it means? The 500,000 they get a week, the government takes 60% of that money. So before you say Jack Robinson, 60 out of 500 is what? 200 and 300. 300,000 is gone. So you just imagine, somebody who earns 500,000, they are going to buy a 500,000 type of house. 
500,000 a week. They are buying a certain type of house. Maybe 13, 15 million pounds. Mortgage is about, about 30,000 or 40,000, 50,000 a month. So now you are left with uh, 200,000, out of which 50,000 is gone. Mortgage is gone. And it's not the mortgage insurance, the type of insurance you have to pay. Then your entourage, the hangers on. That you have to pay them. Friends, friends of friends, the cat, the dog. And then you have to do that appearance. You have to be seen. So you have to blink. All those things are pulling. So you see, by the time you finish, you are left with about 20,000. No, you started with 500,000. So there are a lot of them, and I, I always tell you, I like reading biographies. A lot of them, they go broke even by the time they are 37. By the time they are 37, they are broke. Well, they were earning 200,000, 250,000 a week. See, if I say to you, I'll be paying 250,000 a week, you start imagining things. <laughs> you imagine, I will, I will get, you don't know what you are talking about. <laughs> Your 10 year salary in one week. <laughs> But it doesn't make any difference. It is wisdom and obedience. If you are willing and obedient, there is a certain good in the land where your feet are, are dwelling, where God has promised to give you. But you have to be obedient. To obey means that you have to give something that he asks you to give. Hallelujah. How many know that sacrifice is very difficult? My time is up. But I want to give you like five benefits of, five or ten benefits of sacrifice. Number one. Are you ready? When you sacrifice, you take yourself out of the place where Thieves and moth can destroy. You take yourself out of the system. Remember Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where no thief or moth can destroy. Find that scripture for me. Lay up for yourself Treasures in heaven, when you give, when, uh, find that scripture, then after that, find Malachi chapter 3. See that, do not lay up, uh, Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourself treasures on the earth, where moth or rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Amen. What he's saying is that don't let, this, don't be in the system too much. Your whole life is in the system. The system is designed in such a way that thieves, the thieves here are not people break in to, to take from you. Richard is here. Richard will arrest them if they broke in. <laughs> that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the system itself is a thief. I didn't mention it. <laughs> the system itself is a thief. It's designed to steal from you. Are you getting it? Yes, so do not lay up for yourself treasures in the system. It is not about the system. Where thieves break in and steal. See, when they, they come, you can't resist them. Listen, the, if you, you just imagine, if Ukraine for instance, all the people have saved money in the banks. Let's say that the government now needs money to buy ammunitions 
they go to the bank. They say, clear, clean every account here. And <laughs> bring the money. So we can go and buy arms. You think the bank will not release the money? Because at this time, nobody, you yourself, you don't know where the bank is to go and collect your money from them. So you see, thieves have just conveniently accessed your, your money. Those who build big houses, bought big cars. Can you imagine somebody bought a brand new car the day the first bombs came? And they left with just a suitcase. And don't think that it can't happen to you here. Don't think that at all. Everywhere in the world it can happen. It is not about, you know, us or we live in the West. No, 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 it doesn't matter. Are we not in the West? We're here. Somebody bombed somewhere. They say our gas bill has gone eight times. Would you say you pay? Who pay? Hallelujah. So when you lay up for yourself treasures on the earth, you make yourself vulnerable to thieves. In Malachi chapter 3, he says that, verse that prove me herewith if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing, bring in the tithes and offerings that there may be food in my house and try me in this quickly. Says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that there will be no room enough for you to receive. When he pours out his blessing, nobody can steal from you. Amen. I say, when he pours out his blessing, nobody can steal from you. Next verse, quickly. Quickly, quickly. I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. So anybody who comes anywhere near your fi finances, the devourer is rebuked. If Big Vlad wants to come and attack because of you, he will rebuke the devourer, so that your goods are kept, so that they will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Your house is safe. Your car is safe. Nor shall, quickly please, the vine fail, which means that your income will not be cut short. You know, your vine fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. Next verse, quickly. And all the nations will call you what? blessed, which means that you'll be so beautiful and so shiny that people will be envious of you. You are never blessed until people are jealous of you. I say you are never blessed until people are jealous of you. So when people are jealous of you, don't be angry. It means you are getting to a place of blessing. <laughs> you didn't hear that. Remember, it says that that prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When you don't have enemies, the table has not been prepared. When you have enemies, it means you are sitting at the right table. <laughs> Those of you who are scared of enemies. Those of you who are scared, that's for you. All the nations will come you blessed. For I will be a, you'll be a delightful land, says the Lord. Quickly. Your words have been... Oh, have you finished Go, go back, go back. Start from, from verse 10 again. I want to show you seven blessings that God gives you. Seven, very quickly. Bring in all the tithes and offerings to my storehouse and try me in this gone. I will open the windows of heaven, number one, is what? When God opens the windows, it means all the prayer that you pray, he hears it directly. Everything you ask God, you have open access. Number two, pour you out a blessing. When God gives you a blessing, it is not what your hands have blessed you with. It's something that God pours. And pouring is not trickle. Pouring is what? Pouring. <laughs> pouring is pouring. Such a blessing. And then it will be such that there's no room. Number three, it means your blessing is overflowing. 
I told you some time ago that until your blessings overflowing, you are not blessed. So God's blessing is like that you have to, it has to be overflowing. Number four, rebuke the devourer for your sake. Not destroy the fruit of your ground, number five. Nor shall your vine fail. Your businesses will not fail. Number six, says the Lord of hosts, all the nations will call you what? Blessed. And you are going to be envied. Number seven. Seven blessings. When you pay tithe, 10%. Hallelujah. How many know that it's not easy to pay tithe? Because it's a sacrifice. The tithe is what you have earned. It's part of the budget. But like the widow, he says that pay your tithe first. Pay it first. Let me eat and after make food for yourself. Yours is the 90%. The 10% belongs to God. It takes sacrifice to obey that scripture, that command to pay. Christians fight over it. Do we pay it over the net or do we pay over the gross? Should we pay? Pastor, you don't understand. I have a lot of bills. I have a lot of debt. Listen, let me tell you something. If you learn how to pay tithe, you can pay off your mortgage. You can go out of debt. Hallelujah. Because it is a principle of wisdom. If I can live off 90%, it means I can live off 70%. Which means that when I pay 10% to God, I pay 20% to the company of Christopher International Limited. And when I pay tithe, I don't chase the tithe. What is being used for with the money? In the same way, when I pay 20% to Christopher and Christopher company, I don't chase it. Which means that the 20% I pay is not for me to go back and look for the money. Are you getting it? Just as I'm investing in heaven with 10%, I can invest in my life, my finances with 20%. If I can live off 90%, I can live off 70%. And if I can live off 70%, surely I can live off 60%. Are you with me? So now I'm going to use 10% to pay my debt, 20% to invest. So every time I'm paid, 10% belongs to God, 20% belongs to investment, 10% belongs to debt. It means now I have to reduce the things I buy. The places I shop. How many know that you spend more money than you need in terms of food? Throw food away. Always buying. Always buying. If you, if you have half your income, you buy with sense. You won't just go and you see nice things you are picking. Sometimes you pick, you are going to buy just, uh, what do you call it, washing up liquid and bread. You end up with a trolley. How many know what I'm talking about? It's not you, but you know somebody who does that. You went to the shop only for washing up liquid and bread. You end up with a trolley full. As you are going, this is the shoppers, they use psychology. They know that when they put yellow, red, and green together and mix it, your hand wants to touch. And when your hand touches, it goes into the basket. So they mix it, they put it there, your hand is touching, your hand is touching, your hand is touching. And they put it at the right places where your eye can reach. The, the rubbish is they put on the ground. The nice is they put on your eye shot so that you see. By the time you realize your trolley is full and you are pushing it, and you are pushing it. Beep, 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 beep. 150. 
The places I don't like to go, Costco is one of them. No, what do I want? One, two, three. I always tell my wife, give me the list. Don't, in the middle of the shop, when, you, when I'm in the shop and she calls, I don't pick. Whilst I'm there, she asked me to go and get three things. And I'm on the way. Some, she has learned it, so now she doesn't call. She will send my daughter to call. And I know the, the trick. Both of them, I don't pick. I'll go to the shop, get the three things, bring it. Leave it. And then, then, then somebody will be lying on the bed. When they hear that you're on the shop, oh, Victor, I want this now. I want this. Then somebody's budget now becomes my budget. No. Look at the amount of food you waste. It's all investment. That food you are wasting. One day, if I have time, I will show you how a three ninety nine beggar can build you a house. Yeah, I'll show you. That's that's my area of uh, what do you call it? That was where I was trained. Beggar, some of you, those of us who like to buy food without thinking on the spare of the moment, you are in the shop. You know, lunch time, then you go. Buy this, buy that, and you buy meal deal, $3.99, I'll prove it to you one of these days, but you just imagine that in 15 years, that meal deal can buy you a house fully paid for. I'll show you that one of these days very, very soon. $3.99 in 15 years. Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. Sometimes you go to McDonald's or you go to KFC. They say uh, bucket for one, variety meal for one, four ninety nine, and they they give you Coke Tuesday. I can I will show you how you can use that four ninety nine in fifteen years. Get a house with that mortgage, fifteen years, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday, Monday to Friday. I haven't come to that one. That one, the, the, what do you call it? Delivery rule. I haven't come from that one. That one is, <laughs> that's a different animal. <laughs> that's a different animal. <laughs> no, 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 that's a different animal. Delivery rule. Yes, it's deliverance, not delivery rule. You need deliverance, not delivery rule. <laughs> Uber eats, then the bike is coming with them, something on the back. They are bringing your. Yeah, just eat. They are bringing, then they will be bringing, then they will be bringing, then they will bring it. Then they go, piplum. Then you go and open, then they give you. How many? Not you, but you know somebody who is delivery rule specialist. In six months, in six months, especially the students, the students in this room, the students, I'm talking to you now, you are the most guilty of delivery rule. Especially when you get your uh, student's loan. I bought my first house when I was a student. Student loan. It's a good enough investment to buy a house. Uber eat, then you're eating. Uber eat, then you're eating. Uber eat, then you're eating. Uber eat, then you see the room has gone quiet. I know my church members very well. <laughs> Your stomach is full of houses. <laughs> Different houses. Some story building. Some <laughs> bungalows. 
flats. You have built a lot of houses in your stomach. Seventeen ninety nine. He said, "If you want uh, uh, delivery rule to be free, you have to go beyond." Is it? Delivery rule, twenty pounds. Because you don't want to pay uh, uh, five pounds, you make sure that your food goes beyond twenty pounds, and you do that maybe twice a week or three times a week. I'm just being very charitable because I know some of you do it every day. premium account with delivery. Cancel all those things. Go and cancel all those things. And start account with uh, places that you can build houses. $10.99. Free delivery. $10.99. Go and cancel it. Go and cancel it. Josie, do you have that? Go and cancel it. Cancel it immediately. When you get home, cancel it. Pray, pray and cancel. When you go on your way from church, go and buy your small rice, your small chicken, chicken, chicken your small thing, and permutate them yourself yes. and put them in the fridge for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that when you are going to work, you take a little bit of it and you take it to work. <laughs> Why do you think I've moved from there? <laughs> Why do you think I've moved from there? <laughs> yeah. Command your weak. And you see, this commanding your weak thing is a very good thing. In a year, 12 weeks, that 12 weeks money, save it. Save it. That's three months worth of food. It's, it's investment that you never budgeted for. Fast and use the money to, to invest. Stand to your feet.